Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Well, it's so good to be together again, and I just want to welcome you and say thank you for joining part two of our New Year trilogy, Unchangeable, Unshakable, Unstoppable, which is designed to give us all the best possible start to 2021, to enable us to put deep and healthy roots down and to bear extensive and lasting fruit this year. Last week, I spoke about the unchangeable person. Today, I'm going to share concerning the unshakable kingdom. And then next week, we'll talk about the unstoppable mission. So last week, I spoke about the unchanging person, Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And said that as he was in the past, as he was in the past, Uh, when he created all things, as he was in the past when he appears to appear in the Old Testament, as he was in the past when he took on flesh and became a man and walked amongst us, as he was in the past, so he is today. He's always the same. He's the never-changing, the great I am. And therefore, we can anchor our lives in him and we can build our churches on him And as I said last week, in times of uncertainty, that this is the most precious of truths. I'm excited to share today. I feel uh, excited, a little bit nervous as well, but full of anticipation for what God wants to do amongst us today. And I want us to discover another very precious truth, that this unchanging person, is ruling and reigning and forever extending his unshakable kingdom. And as last week, there will be some things uh, today that I'm sure will be, they'll be fresh and new. There'll be other things that are reminders. But I really feel that sometimes we need to go back a bit so that we can go forward a lot. And though for, therefore, I trust you'll be strengthened and equipped and enabled to make some uh, really great forward progress. You know, um, if you turn to the book of Matthew, a Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, a really careful reading of the New Testament um, makes it clear that the kingdom of God was the central message of Jesus and his apostles and his followers. And so just briefly to turn the pages of the book of Matthew, we won't Uh, read these, but I'll refer to them. In Matthew's gospel alone, there are more than 50 references to the kingdom of God. And we discover that right at the start, John the Baptist, in Matthew 3 and verse 2, John the Baptist prepares the way by calling people to repent for the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus, likewise, in chapter 4, Jesus begins his ministry with that same message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then Jesus travels through all, the, all of Galilee. Chapter 4, at the end, it tells us he went through all of Galilee. Chapter 9, he t- tells us he went through all the towns and villages. And we'll read those verses uh, in more detail a little bit later. But, but he went to all those places announcing and proclaiming the kingdom of God. The, is good news. And then uh, when we get into the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he begins with the Beatitudes. It's all about the kingdom. 
the whole of that sermon is about life in his kingdom. And then uh, included in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches us to pray that his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. He also tells us to seek first the kingdom of God above all other things. And then in Matthew 10, he sends out the 12 to announce that the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is at hand. And then in Matthew 13, and again in Matthew 20, 22, 25, he tells numerous parables about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And then in Matthew 24 and verse 14, it's worth turning to this one, and he says that the gospel of the kingdom... The good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. And then in the book of Acts, if we just turn into the book of Acts, it begins with Jesus spending his last 40 days with his disciples on earth and it says in those 40 days he spoke about the kingdom. And then we we carry on in the book of Acts, we find that the gospel breaks into Samaria in Acts chapter 8, because Philip is proclaiming the good news concerning the kingdom. We find that Paul spends three years building the church in Ephesus, and he says that he spent that time preaching the kingdom, Acts 18, Acts 20. And then the book of Acts ends in Acts 29, with Paul spending two years in Rome in a rented house and proclaiming the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is everywhere. So what is this kingdom? What does that word or that phrase mean? Well, when Jesus taught us to pray what we call the Lord's Prayer, he said pray that his will is done and that his kingdom comes. He made those two things synonymous. His kingdom comes when his will is done. So the kingdom of God is not a place so much as a state of affairs. The kingdom of God exists wherever his will is outworked, where God's will is outworked um, through, and the sphere of his rule and reign is outworked through Jesus, who triumphed over every enemy, as we've been singing earlier this morning, and is enthroned as King of Kings, and now calls us to come to him and live under his rule. And this gospel of the King and the Kingdom was proclaimed by those first followers of Jesus and Acts 17 tells us that that message turned the world upside down. And I think that far too often today the message of the church at large is at best far less potent and at worst a different agenda altogether. But in the New Testament we find that the central message of Jesus and his followers was the kingdom of God. So as part of our New Year trilogy, I believe it's vital that we're reminded of some of the characteristics of this kingdom. There's a verse in, uh, also in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew 13, and if I read it from the message um, paraphrase, It says, every student who's well-trained in God's kingdom, that's what I hope we'll be this year, well-trained in God's kingdom, is like the owner of a general store who can put his hands on anything you need, old and new, exactly when you need it. 
Well, it's vital that we have all that we need this year. So if you're ready, I'd like to share four stunning characteristics of the kingdom of God. And the first is this, the kingdom is everlasting. The kingdom of God, his rule, his will on earth as it is in heaven, has always been God's purpose. From the very beginning when God um, commissioned Adam and Eve to, to rule and subdue, to establish his rule, his reign, his stewardship over creation. From the very beginning, the kingdom of God has been God's purpose. And when he found in King David a man after his own heart, he made a covenant with him and he promised, it says in 2 Samuel 7, he promised your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. I believe David understood the eternal dimensions of that promise. He knew that his earthly kingdom was only a foretaste of something much bigger. And when Richard read earlier on from 2 Chronicles, we had a hint of that. In Psalm 145, I think the words will be on the screen, David wrote this, King David, he said this, all of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. Listen to this, for your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And you rule throughout all generations. That's King David. And the prophet Isaiah nailed it so clearly. In Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, he said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government, the rule, the government, the kingdom will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Jesus has an everlasting kingdom. An everlasting kingdom. And that alone, this alone, distinguishes it from all other kingdoms. Every other kingdom has or is or will come to an end. The Babylonian Empire that, that ultimately overthrew uh, Judah, the Babylonian Empire collapsed in the 5th century BC. The Roman Empire in the 5th century AD. You know, the Nazis, the Nazis boasted that the Third Reich would last for a thousand years, but it was defeated after 12. The British Empire which once covered 25% of the, of the land mass and 25% of the population of the world is no more. The Soviet Union broke up after 40 years. Mr. Trump's presidency has come to its inevitable ugly end. 
And Mr. Biden's presidency will be temporary. World powers shift, kings come and go, nations rise and fall, businesses, business empires grow and then decline. Stock markets go up and down. Philosophies and paradigms hold sway for a while and then give way to others. But the kingdom of God outlives them all because the reign of King Jesus will never end. How can we live our best life? By seeking first the kingdom of God, by making Jesus' will our priority by embracing his lordship, by extending his influence. You know, we needn't be fascinated or distracted by passing trends, by movements or people or causes that come and go. Let's be those who live for the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom is not only everlasting, it's ever growing. Most Most translations of those verses in Isaiah 9 say, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. There'll be no end to the increase. Increasing increase. Growing growth. Because the zeal of Almighty God is extending his kingdom throughout heaven and earth. That's why so many of the parables Describe the growth of the kingdom. It's like a a mustard seed that becomes the largest plant. It's like a small bit of yeast that spreads everywhere. It's like a net that's put out and catches all kinds of fish. The kingdom of God is always prevailing, always advancing, always extending. Day and night, come rain or shine, whether it's visible or invisible, the rule and the reign and the influence of Christ is constantly growing. So we cannot, church, be small-minded. We can't be short-sighted. We can't be parochial or defeatist. We're on the winning side. We're part of the world-changing, everlasting, ever-growing kingdom of God. And I'm so glad that as part of that kingdom, our church is growing significantly, even in these times. The kingdom of God is everlasting. And then the second sensational characteristic about the kingdom is that it is good news. Jesus described the kingdom in Matthew 4 and Matthew 9, we'll read them properly in a moment, as good news. And by the way, he never described anything else that way. This everlasting ever-growing kingdom is the greatest news. The greatest news, not just good news, the very best news. Why is that? How is that? Well, because Jesus has defeated every enemy, Satan, sin, sickness, death. Jesus has defeated every enemy and he's crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He has the name that is above every name. He is the undisputed, undefeated, unchangeable champion. And by his victory, he has restored mankind and he's healed creation and he's provided for every known need. I want to say whatever you're facing, whatever you're facing, Jesus has overcome. 
Why is it such good news? How is it such news? Because unlike every other failed and failing kingdom, nobody is beyond the scope of the kingdom of God. Nobody is excluded. The gospel of the kingdom is spiritual, not natural, and is good news for everyone, everywhere. And I want to say this, the kingdom of God is not just good news, it's all the good news we need. All the good news we need. The kingdom of God is, as we've often quoted this great quote, God's total answer to man's total need. Everything else is peripheral. Every other good cause is smaller than the kingdom. Environmentalism will never save the planet. Democracy is not the panacea. No vaccine can immunize people from loneliness and lostness. But the kingdom of God is the total answer. Jesus didn't come proclaiming good news of a better lifestyle or good news of improved job prospects or good news of more friends or good news of of stress-free living and greater fulfillment or even good news of the church. But the good news of the kingdom, which may well affect all of the above, but is much bigger and much better any other gospel, so-called good news, always leaves us needing more. But the gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus is Lord and offers new life, is all sufficient in every way. Saving our souls, healing our bodies, restoring our minds and ordering our lives. The really good news is the kingdom with nothing added and nothing subtracted. If our goal is feeding the hungry, it's not enough. If our goal is strengthening marriages, empowering parents, facilitating spaces for young mums, these aren't big enough. If our goal is impacting politics or influencing our workplaces, or improving our neighbourhoods. These are all good. All these things are good. But they're all too small. Even if our goal is seeing people saved and added to our church, it's not big enough. How did Jesus summarise his mission? He said in, in Luke 4, I must preach the good news of the kingdom because that is why I came. Our goal must be to see his kingdom, the lordship of Jesus, established on the earth as it is in the heavens. And it will include all of those things, but it will eclipse them all as well. The kingdom is really good news. And then thirdly, I want to say this, the kingdom, the kingdom of God is our new home. This good news keeps coming because this kingdom, this dimension where Jesus is Lord is the home, the proper place of belonging of all who embrace and follow Christ. Jesus himself said in in John chapter 3, Jesus said "We we will see the kingdom and we will enter the kingdom as we're born again, when we're born again. 
In other words, when we repent and put our faith in Christ, when we um, are baptized and we wash away the past, when we receive the, the empowering of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and we're empowered for our futures, then we begin to live in the dimension of his rule and his reign over our lives. We stop making decisions and choices that dishonour him. We make decisions and choices that please him. We begin honouring him with our words and with our actions. We begin to live for his cause. In other words, we start a new life in a new kingdom. It's a rebirth. It's a reorientation. It's a relocation. In Colossians, Paul says, God has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son. If we're in Christ, we've been transferred, we've been relocated, we've been moved and you totally belong in your new home. Your new surroundings may at first seem odd and unfamiliar, but you're where he always wanted you. You totally belong. So let's never think we don't belong in our new home. Let's never crave our old life as they did when they came out of Egypt. When we're born again, we enter the kingdom, but we're also added to the church. And the church is the community of the kingdom. We're citizens of the kingdom. But our church community is where we work out and we, out and we display that citizenship. I know that Jesus really loves his church and is building her to display his kingdom in all the earth. And he's given her the keys of the kingdom to author, which authorizes to open and unlock and extend and display his kingdom everywhere. Because he wants his kingdom to be made visible. Now if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. kept promising you we'd read these verses and now we will. Matthew 4 and verse 23. Listen carefully to this. It says, Jesus travelled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And news about him spread as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralysed, he healed them all. And then just flick forward a few chapters to Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus travelled throughout all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. 
Did you see there that the announcement about the kingdom came hand in hand with demonstration? Jesus didn't just proclaim that he was king, he proved it by healing, expelling demons, moving in compassion, and then sending out workers. And in the same way, he empowers us to proclaim and prove the kingdom of God by our lives and actions. The kingdom is nothing if it doesn't come with power. Jesus didn't announce a new philosophy or a new religion. He came with power to evict the squatter, to restore order and to transform lives. The kingdom isn't mystical. It's real. It's tangible. It's visible. Jesus laid hands on people. He sat with them. He fed them. He wept with them. He calmed their storms. He healed their bodies. He embraced them. This is how his kingdom comes. The kingdom must be seen. If Jesus is my Lord, I will obey his instructions. I will mend broken relationships. I will shun gossip. I will honor God with my finances. I will pray before I make big decisions. I will seek the counsel of the elders. And when we do that, when our lives and our families and our homes and our careers come under the rule and the reign of God, there is righteousness, joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. There is health and order and blessing and it becomes obvious to others that we live under a different regime. And when we pray for the sick, when we confront demons, when we minister wholeness, when we sit with people and weep with them and, and lay our hands on them and embrace them and calm their storms, it becomes obvious that we're at home in his kingdom. God always wanted his people to be distinguished to be unlike the other nations in the Old Testament. God still wants his people to be distinguished. And this year, we must be sure that our lives stand out and stand apart as we live under his good and benevolent reign. And all of this brings me to one more sensational, awesome, stunning characteristic of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is unshakable. If you turn with me to Hebrews, you'll see that just before the verse we read last week, Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever, that just before that, in Hebrews 12 and verse 26, it says this. There's a bit of context and background that uh, you'll, you can look at later, but it says this, when when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. 
This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only that that is un, so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping with him with holy fear and awe for our God is a devouring fire. This kingdom is unshakable. Every alternative to the kingdom has been, is being, or will be shaken. And there are many shakings in our own day of health, of economics, of politics, conspiracies and deceptions. And I want to say this, we may not understand everything, but we can stand under the throne of King Jesus. We may not understand everything, but we can stand under his righteous rule, his righteous reign in his kingdom. We are at home in his kingdom. And as its citizens, as its ambassadors, we represent his kingdom in every way. We can be ever-growing. We can be good news. We can be unshakable. A house built on rock, standing firm for our family, our friends, and our neighbours. At the head of our unshakable kingdom is an unchangeable person. And at its heart is an unconquerable church. And Jesus assures us that nothing can uproot his church. In Matthew 16, final verse we're going to read here. Matthew 16, verse 15, when Jesus has asked the disciples who people think he is, he then says this, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, that you're Peter and on this rock, this revelation that he's the Christ, that he's unchangeable, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I am so thrilled that our church stands firm and will not be overcome. And I'm so blessed to be at home in a kingdom that's everlasting and ever growing and is such good news for the world. And I'm so grateful for the peace that comes from knowing that these things are unshakable. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever and his kingdom cannot be shaken and it does not get more secure than that. As this year unfolds, my hope, my hope is that we will enjoy some regatherings at Easter. I'd love that. My hope is that Momentum 2021 will be more significant than ever. In the meantime, we're planning some new patterns of connecting, 
We're continuing to reach out in wonderful ways. We're preparing for kingdom growth by expanding our eldership. Please let us have any comments on the video you've seen. But I want to finish by saying this. This is a day to be in. Secure in the kingdom and at home in his church. And therefore I invite you to get in touch. Details will be on the screen. Get in touch if we can help you. Call us, email us. We'd love to help you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to connect with you. Don't hesitate. I believe there's much for us to do together. Next week, I will be sharing what all this means in terms of our mission. But to finish this morning, I'd like us to come together. Musicians and singers are going to come back here. We're going to stand and sing. It's another golden oldie, but not as old as last week's, but another wonderful song that just says something about our Jesus and his kingdom. The song called Jesus God's righteousness revealed. I just ask you, invite you in your homes to use this song as an opportunity to make your response to King Jesus this morning. God bless you. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.